come to the ACNA where the where the lines are fuzzy and everyone's mystical and we're all flowing around in our in our in our magical mystery robes, and you can you can have your you can have your politics. It'll make your parents mad, and you can pretend to be a Christian at the same time. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm here today with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Coke of St. Luke's Anglican Church in Hilton Head, South Carolina. How are you guys? Good. Great, Nick. J.D., that's a pretty-looking hotel room behind you. You're in Ambridge, right? <laughs> I am Beautiful, back, scenic uh, where Ambridge. Where it all began. Where we... Where we... Had we not passed, had we not met each other, Nick, who knows what our lives would be like mm-hmm. if we're not this, if we weren't for this beautiful place. Yeah, I'm here at the uh, annual board meeting where it's exciting this year. We are um, uh, installing the new dean president, uh, the Reverend Dr. Brian Holland, um, who uh, is wonderful um, call for the school and very excited about the future. And so we have a installation tonight, and then we have our annual retreat, which is sort of a um, Oh, well, just what it is. We sit and think about and pray about the future. And um, so, yeah, it's good to be back. A lot of good, a lot of good memories here. But um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Have some Chinese at knees walk for me. I think it's still open. I oh, think yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. Can't yeah. close. <laughs> well, I mean, most things have closed <laughs> in back around here. But um, they, uh, yeah, they actually have a pretty cool, like, craft brewery bar that has a lot of hmm. people with tattoos and, you know, beards and, and um, things, yeah. which is, you know, kind of, I guess they come from far and wide, but I, I imagine that the uh, startup, well, I know the startup costs for um, real estate around Ambridge are pretty enticing for, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs. So if you want to buy an entire block uh, for about, you know, $250,000, then let me know because we can, we'll, we'll name it after you and then we'll make it housing, affordable housing for our international students coming in. So you can keep your craft brewery. I'll just take my General Tso's chicken. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's right. Well, we had a podcast all planned out to talk about Matt's terrible parenting, uh, but not only did he and Anne adequately cover that topic on the Preventing Brace podcast, but then The Table in Indianapolis, a church that was, until Monday, a member of the ACNA and the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, left the ACNA and is seeking acceptance as a parish in the Episcopal Church. Now, seeing as how ACNA was formed specifically in reaction to the apostasy of the Episcopal Church, such a move seems worth talking about. So I thought I'd quickly read the table's reasons for disaffiliating with ACNA directly from their website, and then we can talk about what it means both for a church to make such a move and what it might say about the ACNA as a whole. So the table writes, after a process of discernment lasting more than a year, Last week, our members voted 44 to 4 to disaffiliate with the ACNA and pursue affiliation with the Episcopal Diocese of Indianapolis, led by Bishop Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs. We sensed, they say, there was better alignment for the table within the Episcopal Church and especially the Diocese of Indianapolis than there was within the ACNA, specifically as it relates to these four things. One, our commitment to resisting patriarchy and empowering women to fully lead in the church. They add parenthetically that ACNA prohibits women from being bishops. Two, our commitment to social and racial justice, standing in solidarity with marginalized, oppressed communities and working for liberation for all. Three, our commitment to cultivating a resilient, non-reactive, non-anxious Christianity. They don't say specifically what that is. 
for our commitment to practicing a generous, quote, big tent spirituality rooted in the deep well of the Anglican tradition. The ACNA was not a fit for those values. The Episcopal Church is. What do you guys think of this? Thanks be to God. Uh, I don't know why it took a year. I could have helped him out in about about six hours um, over a year ago, given what was coming out of that place. But yeah, I mean, that's a real, real win, a net positive uh, for the ACNA. There's no question about that. Um, yeah, sorry, Matt, didn't want to step on oh, you. Well, at least it's at least interesting that the ACNA has prohibited women from being bishops for well longer than a year. Right. That's a founding truth of the ACNA. Much right. It seems like ago. was that a new was that like a new uh, has has their conviction changed so much that they realize now what they formally agreed to they now uh, disagree with or which seems more likely and what I've run into all over the ACNA is that people are simply unaware um, that that's the that's one of the compromise sort of foundational positions of the founding of ACNA. I think there's a there's a strain within the ACNA already that sees or a group of people who see in lack of a better word, uh, wokeness as one means by which we might attract more people to the church. So if we can, if we can position ourselves in, on the kind of, you know, soft left and still hold on to the quote unquote, the gospel, whatever they think that is, I actually, they may think that's part of the gospel. Um, we can, we can be a, attractional we can we can draw we can we can draw people in and that's like that's fit that fits with the with the church growth idea right you 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 make the church look as much like the world as you possibly can without without becoming unorthodox and and that, that includes the way you worship that includes the way you preach everything you just you just present the most the most unoffensive view you could possibly get or picture you could possibly get to the world and, and then you drop people in. Well, I think that strain within the ACNA, the people who think that way, especially leaders who think that way, have over the last, I would say, ever since our founding, tried to attract people like Matt Teb. People like Matt Teb are, are who they think will grow the church. This so is they, one of the co-rectors of the table for our listener. Yeah, so Which so they lay, they lay, go out and recruit guys like this and recruit congregations like this to bring them into the ACNA because they think that's how we that's how we get more church planters. That's where the mission is, and and so so you wind up with a lot of people who've been probably I, I don't know what they told Matt Teb when they when his church came in. I, I don't know if he, I don't think he planted from the ACNA. Maybe he did, but that's um, what it said on the Episcopal Church's okay. statement that it was a church plant of the ACNA. Okay. Well, I don't know what they told him, or what. I don't think he's. I don't think he was raised Episcopalian. Um, I, I don't know what they told him to when they recruited him. I don't know what they tell a lot of people who are coming out of Wheaton and other places when they recruit them. But my guess is they're they're filling their heads with all kinds of uh, of mystical dreams. Come to the come to the ACNA where the <laughs> where the lines are fuzzy and everyone's mystical and we're all flowing around in our in our in our magical mystery robes, and then you can ha you can have your you can have your politics. It will make your parents mad, and you can pretend to be a Christian at the same time. And they all come in, right? And <laughs> so that's what they, I don't I don't know that 
Matt Teb had like some kind of uh, nefarious purpose. Maybe he did. Uh, but I, I think I think that the general sell of the ACNA on that side of things is there's no, there, are, there are really no hard and fast lines. Don't worry what, about what the Constitution says. Don't worry about what the nine articles say. Don't worry about those 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 mean people who came out of the Episcopal Church. Really, you just come in and we're gonna we'll work it and you'll be fine. And you know, a, Anglicans aren't like your Baptist parents. Yeah. No, there's not. We, I mean, that's been part of why we started this podcast back up yeah. again because we noticed that years ago that when some of these sort of societal issues that were causing the rifts in the church were were springing up, there was a theological divide as well as a social divide around for more progressive and more quote unquote conservative people even within the ACNA. And so we, I mean, we've seen this. We're watching this, and hopefully, this is. I, I said, you know, I, I mean this sincerely. This is the beginning of a trend that people who who are finding it difficult to be in the ACNA because of our four core fundamental commitments, including all the four or the ones that he talked about. Um, well, no, not not negatively, but but if if that's if if people agree with that statement and look at the ACNA and see us as being part of the problem in all these areas, well then then there's there are churches for you you know that we left it i mean there's and again i mean we wouldn't say that we have no commitment to social and racial justice i mean we don't we would we would we would define all these things in a much different way but i think fundamentally uh if you could see yourself um worshiping and without any um or, or serving in the episcopal church um in any capacity then then you should be there <laughs> we should we'll, we'll help you go we'll start a fund you know i mean this is uh because there's um, there was some some real um, work done for decades uh, to bring us to the point just 10 years ago now, a little over 10, to start the ACNA. And many people have gone ahead of us, have gone to glory, who whose blood, sweat, and tears have been part of the hammering out the compromises. I mean, some of these compromises that are at the heart of the ACNA are reliant upon decades of friendship among people who have been brought to an appreciation that even if I disagree with you in some of these areas that you're a brother or sister in Christ. And so therefore we're going to make this a secondary issue. But that was, even that was a fruit of, you know, I'm saying here at Trinity of, of, of decades of people coming and going and, and arguing and yelling and fighting, making up. And, and we are not going to let it, at least I'm not going, I know we're not going to let um, it just revert, slide back into uh, this slow boil apostasy like we were part of for, for so long. And so, you know, I mean, I, I have to, I guess, commend him and his congregation if they, if they, um, you know, really, they seem to have the, uh, the sense of conviction um, to be forthright, because I'm sure it was not a pleasant thing to have to talk to the, their bishop and kind of, and they're obviously for the four people that voted to stay in ACNA, I guess they're going to plant a a church now um <laughs> or whatever i don't know where they're gonna go but but um you know i say i say god i mean godspeed i guess i mean that would be the, the... I, I hope they crash and burn their church dies and uh, believe the gospel I mean, <laughs> what do you mean godspeed god, i don't want god to speed that i, to be, to destroy well, that, right? I mean <laughs> i hope he brings to repentance to... right <laughs> this may be actually a good point to say uh, so um why don't you clarify that a little bit, Matt, when they say that they're aligned more closely with the Episcopal Church than with the ACNA, and then you say you hope they crash and burn, the Episcopal Church, by any objective measure, is indeed crashing and burning. What is it that they're now aligning with in the Episcopal Church? Just for our listener who perhaps this is their first episode, what what kinds of things 
would a church have to submit themselves to to be a member of the Episcopal Church? Okay, so informally for a long time, just decades and decades and decades, the Episcopal Church has been home to people who are all over the map theologically and and to rank heretics, like John Spong, for example, who didn't believe uh, in a personal God. He, he believed God is this energy force out there. And the, the, of course, he didn't believe in, in the incarnation, the resurrection, the virgin birth, any of that stuff. We have, we've had a lot of the Episcopal Church has had a lot of bishops that are just informally or heretics, but the church has always, or not always, the church has been uh, on the edge, but formally orthodox with regard to its formularies up until 2003. In 2003, I believe that's the, when the when the House of Bishops um, decided to affirm the, the election of Gene Robinson, who was a partner gay man to the office of a bishop then that was a formal step outside of the Christian church. At that point, um, the whole body, I believe, became, well, apostate. Now, that's not to say there aren't, there weren't at that time pockets under, the great thing about Episcopal, Episcopal polity, at least at the time, um, was that a bishop pretty much was the ruler of his own diocese. So the national church could do one thing, but a bishop would say, okay, well, in this diocese, we're not doing that. And, and we're going to stand here. And so you could join the Episcopal Church and, and serve in one of those dioceses and still be, be fairly okay. But but as far as the whole overarching organization, that was that was, I think, the decisive step. Now, now though, we're talking now in 2022, things have gotten much worse than they were even in 2003, because not only has the have there have there been more resolutions and and conventions to put more and more uh, uh, of the sexual heresy on the books as official teaching of the, of the Episcopal Church. But now a bishop is not free. Right. Now a bishop is not free to rule his own diocese. If a, if a person in his diocese wants to have a same-sex marriage in one of his parishes, he has to allow it. He doesn't have to perform it. But he has to find a way for that to happen, maybe through alternative oversight, bringing another bishop in, bringing another pet priest in who will do it, but he cannot refuse that in his own play, in his own, in his own diocese. Um, so now the church is so far gone um, as far as orthodoxy goes and its adherence to the gospel that I, I don't, I don't think you can join it now um, in good faith. I, the, I think you, I think those who are entering it now Especially if they know, right? They're, they're, okay, I can see you could join in good faith, not having read all this stuff, not knowing all the things. Like as an individual, as an individual, yeah. but like a, a whole congregation taking a resolute, taking a vote, like the like the table has done, um, knowing what they know about the Episcopal Church very well, uh, that is a vote to leave the Christian Church. Hmm. Which leads me to a follow up question that I wanted to ask you about. Speaking for myself, I. In the interest of full disclosure, I was ordained in the Episcopal Church knowing that it was an apostate church. I think I thought perhaps that I might participate in pulling it back from the brink. Maybe I thought it hadn't already gone over. I remained in it for a long time, even after the ACNA existed. I want to just sort of admit that this was a church that I was ordained in and served in for a number of years. You all, maybe not in the exact same way for the exact same length of time, but it's worth talking about, I think, how, what's the difference between what we were doing and did and what the table is doing now? Well, I mean, you know, Nick, you and I served together for those 
those most much of that um, or a lot of it. And certainly, last and you left before I did uh, officially. So you know, I think we we had long, extensive conversations about how could we remain in the Episcopal Church for years and years. And as it got progressively more liberal, I mean, we even did depot, if you remember, if you are, for our listener doesn't remember that, uh, we there was a provision that meant something at one point in the Episcopal Church that allowed you to petition for what was called designated Episcopal pastoral oversight, which um, at the time, there were dioceses who were steadfastly against uh, allowing um, uh, the celebration of "quote unquote" gay marriage in their dioceses, like and many other not. revisions. We should say many That's other right. revisions. We're not allowing it. I mean, this is why Laz and I moved down to Central Florida. I've said this before. Like we moved down to, to go through the ordination process precisely because that was one of the dioceses, one of the few, where you could take these vows of uh, allegiance for the bishop. Uh, in good conscience. And so, and we did this with, with Central Florida at, at um, St. Francis, if you remember, Nick, and that got us into some big trouble because people uh, were like, what's wrong with our bishop? What's wrong with our diocese? Like, well, uh, let me tell you. And that was an uncomfortable conversation that ultimately uh, precipitated our departure, you know, before things got too bloody. Um, but nevertheless, it was clarifying. And so I think that's how um, before the Bishop Love trial, I think you could still argue that there were dioceses that were stay, taking a very uncomfortable line um, against the culture by saying, we will not allow the performance of gay marriage by any of our clergy in our diocese. And if they do, they will be defrocked. That at least was the ostensible position. And that's the one Bill Love held. And when he was thrown out, um, not one of those other bishops uh, went with him. Not one of them um, got got close to being thrown out. And so now, uh, at this point, I don't think there was any, any question. I don't think we would have stayed. Well, we didn't stay well before yeah. Bill Love, but I don't think I don't think we would have stayed. And I knew I was going to leave the Episcopal Church the moment uh, Tucker uh, could read. You know, and so when she was born, it just started a clock ticking, and it turns out it was she was about four years old. Not that she could read, but that's about how long it took. Because I said, the moment that my child gets old enough to be confused by my public stance as a minister of the gospel, to say, Daddy, you know, why is it that this bishop over here that's that's part of, isn't he part of your church? Isn't he over you? And look at what he's doing. Look at what he's saying. Look at what he's celebrating. To, to, to sow that seed of confusion into her uh, life and then subsequent children uh, was going to be, um, was unconscionable and it's grown even more so now. And that's why I think, um, you know, if, if someone was in the Episcopal church and is not being actively targeted by the revisionist bishop, uh, for removal, well, then I don't know what, who you're, who you think you're kidding. I mean, cause you're certainly not, you're certainly not helping the clarification. You're, you're further muddying the, did God really say reality of, um, of, of what is being perpetrated as a church, uh, in the Episcopal church, and that is to no one's benefit. Um, and so that's 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 how we stayed to answer your question. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, I know you knew, but I was still, um, you know, I, I don't regret the time spent. Um, you know, I, I think there was people, churches develop, you know, people mature, people, you know, backslide. I mean, we all, we're all in motion. But I am grateful for that time because I don't think I had the clarity then and I do now. And part of that clarity was was uh, over the years of wrestling with my own conscience as to how I could how I could continue to to represent this increasingly apostate denomination. 
so yeah, I mean that's I mean that's and that goes back to where the table in India is. It's like I mean whatever the wrestling was, it clearly brought them to the opposite conviction. So um, you know, see so yeah, I mean that's where that's you know take the forty eight people or whatever it was, you know, and um and and I don't won't say I don't know Matt. I mean you have different feelings. I mean I don't wish them particular ill, but I don't think I me mean, I don't wish their families and personal lives <laughs> ill. I, I wish that insofar because they're preaching a false gospel. I, well, I had to say that well I think we can burns, be confident right? we can be confident that they're that their clearly their um their sort of meteoric growth uh will just continue uh, you know with the, and um I, and I we can just tell the people um what we said for we said this for decades you know that that at some point um you know the the sort of growth model that the progressive churches have embraced would you would think it would be questioned because every single place that's been tried it has, um, you know, eviscerated otherwise healthy functioning dioceses. Now, of course, they all have problems and centers are involved in things. But when you take these theological foundations and you 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 move these stones, you know, you start shaking the basic foundations. Well, then don't be surprised if if nothing is left standing. You know, I mean, that's and that's what we see over and over again. Which is again why to those listeners who are concerned about the future of the ACNA, I would say take heart. Because the foundations have been laid, relayed, and secured. You know, we have secured these by great, you know, there's a lot of, it'd be really, really hard and arduous, arduous and difficult and all of the various, you know, synonyms to, um, <laughs> to, to change some of these fundamental convictions of the Jerusalem Declaration, or the fundamental declarations of the province. We have centuries old formularies and 39 articles and prayer book language that will assure us that the substitutionary atonement of christ the reality of sin and the reality of judgment uh, of, of you know heaven and hell i mean the, these these things that that you lose them to the peril of losing a church as we've seen uh these things are going to be strong enough to hold the 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 church against which the gates of hell will not prevail and so that's where we are and that's what we're defending you know not against the individual people as, as you rightly say matt and but as, as in general the, the the movement that wants to see all of these 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 Christian distinctives, which are so distasteful to an unbelieving world, pushed away in the service of quote unquote mission. Well, as we've seen, once you push these away, you lose not only the um, the distinctives of the faith, but the actual uh, substance of it as well. And and that's what they're going to find out to their own peril. I mean, what's the difference between this this church? You know, all of the reasons they're leaving looks like a manifesto for a, like a local you know. Um, I mean, I don't want to say Antifa organization, but I mean, some sort of like, you know, some local, um, you know, progressive uh, book club that has like a weekly, um, you know, adopts part of the highway or something to keep it clean. You know, I mean, this is what I mean, uh, you know, if that's that's what's going to keep you together, then so be it. But, you know, where the church is found, it's kept together by sinners, um, you know, redeemed by the shed blood of Christ for their souls, you know, and that, that's not going to be a missional strategy, as Paul found out in Corinth and all the places he went, except for those who are called and, and redeemed. Well, that's in not on case. this list. The shed blood of Christ for sinners is not on the list of things that are better aligned in the Episcopal Church than in the ACNA, because in large part, <laughs> that doesn't exist in the Episcopal that's Church. That's right. 
That's right. No, I've been teaching through, uh, we're, we're bringing online the um, ACNA Book of Common Prayer now that we're, we're sort of free and clear from the Episcopal Church and all the legal battles and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I've been pointing out that so clear um, omission from the right to service, you know, the, the prayer of humble access of the sort of discussion of the uh, one full, perfect, sufficient, satisfaction oblation for the sins of the world. You know, this basic, the whole, the whole, as we would say, you know, the homartiology, the whole theology of sin was explicitly rejected by the framers of the 79 prayer book down, up and down the line. You know, people have recounted so much people saying, I am worthy so much as to gather up those crumbs, you know, I mean, to the direct, you know, probably not even realizing that that was I deserve more than crumbs. from the Bible. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I, I, it's, it's funny how, how sort of encouraging I find this development and I was surprised by this because I, I said, well, you know, maybe people are taking seriously the actual sort of reset and convictions that we're standing for. I hope they are. And in which case, if you can't abide by them, well, then um, then you have the, the, the forthrightness to, to walk away. And as we said before, and I keep saying, if we just highlighted all of these things that we believe that were reset and keep telling people that before they sign up, well, then we would be attracting different people and repelling different people. And there wouldn't be these people who were confused the way that obviously this, this church was. And so I think um, the more we can do to be clear about some of these, these uncomfortable yet uh, deeply Christian convictions we hold on some of these things, the better, because then we will all be, um, it, it'll all be clear on the upfront as opposed to having to go through this unpleasantness like the, t- the table did. I was teaching this morning for our Tuesday morning Bible study in Matthew 24. We're going through the parables of Jesus. And there's that, there's the parable in the, at the end of the, all of that discourse uh, where Jesus is, is contrasting two different ho- uh, the household managers. Uh, the, the master leaves and he sets one in charge of the servants of the household and he gives them food in the due season and takes care of them. And then there's a second one who is a wicked household manager and he, just doesn't think his master's ever coming back. So he starts to beat his fellow servants and, uh, and hang out with the drunkards and, and, and just get drunk. And um, one of the interesting things about that parable is it, you know, the, of course, the servants, the fellow servants there, the, the, the whole day, the household is the, is the church, the, the kingdom, the servants are people at least ostensibly in the kingdom. And the pattern that Jesus kind of, points out for the wicked household manager is that is the 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 alliance with the world the drunkards that often leads you to beat your fellow servants and i think what we see in a large way when the within the woke contingent in the acna and matt teb and the table that was they were the platonic ideal of woke in the acna and and the and the um what we see is that desire. We, we they want the world to love them so much they are willing to beat up their fellow servants and, and castigate them and 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 they they find they find themselves more attractive to those in the world the more they condemn those in the church and and that there's a that's a that's a that's a pretty clear pattern we see within uh, woke Christendom that that the more we can side with the world and and, and drink with them. Um, and show them that we're not like the mm. other Christians, right? The better we're going to be in getting more people in our churches or, or, or being having more of a platform. And yeah, okay, that involves beating some of our fellow servants, but that's okay because look at the payoff. I mm. want to give you an opportunity. I know that somebody's going to listen to what you just said and be wondering in their mind about 
the strong things that you say on the internet about other people in the church. And I just want to give you the opportunity to say what I think you're going to say, which is that <laughs> calling out somebody for not being a member of the church is a different thing than beating up on somebody who is a brother in Christ. Yeah. So what, one of the, okay, thank you. The distinction, you know, the drug in that, going back to that parable for a minute, you know, that the people who are critiquing, other servants of Christ on the basis of worldly values are like the drunk, the guys who are hanging out with the drunkards and being the servants. So the reason the woke are so consistently critical of the church is not because they're prophets of the word trying to reform the church. It's because they're taking values from the world, namely uh, leftist ideology and using it as a measure against the church and using it also as a badge to attract the world. That's different than saying, than taking the word, the scriptures and saying, okay, this person who's claiming to be a Christian clearly is saying things and doing things that take that person outside the realm of the Christian faith. Uh, so the measure on the, on the, on the, on the part of the, uh, of the church when assessing whether or not someone is genuine is how well that person or whether that person is, is submissive to the scriptures or whether that person is in violation and defiance of the scriptures. The on the other side, the the way you tell whether you're a good Christian or not is if is that is that person in submission to leftist ideology and the, the ways of the world, or is that person rebellion against them? And if that person's in rebellion against leftist ideology, that person doesn't know what justice is. That person has is probably a racist, a white supremacist, of course, a patriarch, a, a, a patriarch. All you can go down the go down the gamut. So the the key distinction and difference is 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 where what's what, what's the measuring line mm. for the woke? The measuring line is leftist ideology. Mm. That's not going to be good enough for them, still, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Can I, can, I, can, I keep that, can I say something else here? Yeah. And, and I know, yeah, I know. I, I think I, I I really think what, one thing I'm encouraged by about this is is that, and I hope every single woke person in the ACNA hears it and sees it we are not going to stop you know you, you can you can push your you can push your agenda you can try and 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 make the ACNA into your own image but it's it's not going to happen um you're going to lose so i would give up now and join the episcopal church the methodist church is also an option you can join the um, there's a lot of people retiring out there i mean there's I a go. lot they've got a good pension program i mean i can right. give you some names to, yeah. to contact oh, immediately the episcopal church pension is the best Church right. in the world. If you are looking for a, a nice, uh, you know, golden parachute, somewhere to land, yeah. go now. Go, it would be perfect. It'd be great for you. Great for you. Great for your family. Just get out and and go to where you, the, there are, there's definitely greener, greener pastures. Well, out. that's what I keep. And again, I mean, I, I sound like a broken record because I say the same thing all the time, but but it bears repeating that if we. The more people out there, listener, if you if you have the wherewithal to talk to people about the ACNA, just don't beat around the bush. Go stri- directly to why we were formed, how we were situated, what our limits are on various things, including then to the Bishop of Episcopacy, the, the whole Gene Robinson fiasco that precipitated it. Like, don't 
beat around the bush, go straight there. And you'll very quickly clarify with the person you're talking to, whether or not they're looking for our church or the Episcopal church will be very clear. Right. And so we don't need to, you know, everyone coming through should have like a little handout, like here's the short history. What is Anglicanism? Well, Anglicanism is a Christian denomination, which is why we had to leave a non-Christian church to be formed in 2009. Like that's what had to happen. And so there are still people within that church that we pray for and are doing good work, blah, 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 all of that. And yet this denomination stands outside of it because there came a point where they said enough is enough. And so um, that needs to just be, you know, published far and wide, you know, let's ride the bands again, right. From every town to town, bringing our little, our, um, you know, I was thinking about that actually, you all got that, um, the pew cards of what is Anglicanism, you know, that they, the Anglican house publishers are putting out, you know, I thought they were, they're pretty good, uh, but it was a little more wordy than it should have been, you know, because it was like, you know, I mean, it could have been all those things that, uh, that the world celebrates, um, that, that the Bible condemns. Do we believe that? Yeah, we believe those things, you know, are we, are we for the Bible over, over the world? Yes, that's what we're for. And so, um, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by this. And I also stand with you, Matt, and I'll say it again, that we, not only will we not leave, but the foundations will not be uh, be altered. And so we have centuries of God's provision, however imperfect we have handled it through the Anglican Church and her witness to the world that we are standing on. And we're confident that this will just um, that as we grow, it'll it'll continue to 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 flourish either in depth or in breadth. But but at any rate, as a Christian church. Well, amen. And from your lips to God's ears, Shady, thank you to our listener for listening to the Stand Firm podcast this week. If you'd like to keep the conversation going with us, you can be in touch, rate, interview the podcast on iTunes, send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thanks to J.D. Koch and Matt Kennedy. I'm Nick Lannon and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm. Thank you.